0: As we step onto the scene of Scripture, we find ourselves in the Ephesus in the presence of two men, the Apostle Paul and a man by the name of Sosthenes. Both have developed a tremendous burden to see the church of Corinth winning, growing, thriving. You see, back in the book of Acts, Acts in chapter number 18, we find the apostle Paul first entering into Corinth. When Paul first steps into the city, he finds a city that lived up to its name, a place of great sinfulness and great wickedness. And yet it was into that culture, into that society, that the Apostle Paul came with a desire to teach and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Had in the name and the power of the Lord established there in Corinth a local New Testament church that he believed would move forward and gain much ground in bringing that city to Jesus Christ. Over the next year and a half, Paul established relationships that were built around the gospel. And the church at Corinth was birthed into existence. Having established the church and having given some roots to the church, the apostle Paul began to continue his pattern of moving to another city, another location where he would do the same thing, establish a local church for that city that would work there and even beyond to reach the world for Christ. Now, when we come to the writing of 1 Corinthians, some four and five years have passed since Paul has been in Corinth. He's in Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, Paul receives word about how the church of Corinth Is faring. Now I say the news was that the church wasn't doing very well. The reality was that the church of Corinth wasn't just doing well, they were in a mess. It was full of discouragement, full of disappointment, full of division, and full of very destructive behaviors that was causing the team, if you will, causing the people of God, causing the church to fall short of accomplishing their purpose. when They should have been united in faith and purpose when they should have been building off of the strengths of each individual member, functioning as a team, and charging forward on the gridiron of life in the city of Corinth. They instead found themselves plagued by carelessness, criticism, and carnality. See, they had allowed themselves to be influenced by the Roman culture that they found themselves surrounded by. A culture that emphasized pleasure over purpose. It's into this environment that Paul sends this letter that we call First Corinthians. His main purpose was to challenge the church to get back on track and to once again take their responsibility seriously. Wanted to encourage every single member to suit up, to get off the sidelines, to step back onto the field of battle, to stand uh, as a united front uh, with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And to once again strive together for the faith of the gospel. He began the letter By reminding them who they were. When you look at the first few chapters of the book, the Apostle Paul is going to say this, You were bought with a price. That price was the blood of Christ. And God called you. He cleaned you. He's called you to be holy. And now He has chosen you to make a difference in this world. Can I pause for just a second and say this? That purpose hasn't changed. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, God has chosen you, He has cleaned you, and He has called you and I to make a difference in this world. That's the question, what difference are you making? Is your home better because you're a Christian, or is there no change at all? Is your place of employment better because you take and practice Christian principles or do you actually add to the mayhem of the business day? May I say this? There should be a reality where businesses seek out Christians to work in their company because of the character and the integrity and the likeness of Christ that they reflect. Sadly, in many places, people stay away from Christians. And it's not always because of what you believe. Sometimes, it's because of how we behave. Called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to have a righteous lifestyle. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is not just identifying who they are in Christ, but he's trying to emphasize the reality that in this world, in the Christian life, you and I are not to go forward alone. We are to function properly as a part of the body of Christ called the church. Paul says these words. We pick up our reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, had it been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts had more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet shall I unto you a more excellent way. He's going to go on in chapter 13 to speak about how love is that better way. From the habit of marking things in the word of God I want to draw your attention back to three statements that we read in our passage today. Notice two of them are found in verse number 17 where the Bible says this where were the hearing? Where were the hearing? And then at the end of verse 17, where the Bible says, Where were the smelling? Where were the hearing? Where were the smelling? Now look down at verse number 19, we'll find the third statement. Where the Bible says, Where were the body? Three statements. Sounds strange, and yet I find a truth here that I believe we need to understand today. He says, Where Where the hearing? Where were the smelling? Where were the body? Our thought today is simply this. Where are you? Where are you? Football is one of the biggest when it comes to American sports. In just a few days, the first of February, the Super Bowl will take place. Now... Disclaimer, I'll not be watching, don't like what they've been doing. There, said it, done, peace, we're on the same page, right? Okay. We're using the analogy of football. The gridiron. The place where battles are hard fought and some are lost and some are won. And it all depends upon the decision that every person on that team makes. See, from the little league level all the way up to the professional stage, there's just something about watching a team step out onto a field and work together with all of their might to bring home a victory ten yards at a time. 53 men, 46 of which can dress out in the game. 11 that are on the field at one time. Chosen train, and call the ball to fulfill one purpose. Either to keep the ball from progressing into their goal or getting the ball into the other goal. Pretty simple game, isn't it? Yet how tough and complicated it can be at times. Now I say, Christian life isn't much different. You and I have been called... We've been trained or should have been trained through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, through the house of God, and through personal devotion. And we have been called to take the message of Jesus Christ and to cast it forth into a world that needs to know that God loved them enough to send His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for their sins. Right? Salvation for all eternity. May I say sometimes we make some good plays. And other times we drop the ball. Sometimes we get sacked and lose large yardage. Now I say there's a lot, a lot of similarities between the game of football and what God has chosen for this church. May I say this. When Christ came to this earth, yes, He came to provide a way of salvation, but I also believe that Christ came to establish a church. He began with His disciples. And He sent them forth. And as they went forth, they went from city to city, establishing churches who had the responsibility to carry the ball forward in that area and to reach that world for Christ and to bring home a victory. What's the victory? Other people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, may I say this, may we never lose sight of our purpose. May we never lose sight of our call. May we never lose sight of why God has placed us exactly where He's placed us. I want to share with you a few thoughts this morning. Notice with me here in verse number 13. The Bible says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Let me say this first of all. In Christ, you have been placed on a team. In Christ, you have been placed on a team. Maybe I should say it this way. You see, when you were born, you were born on a team. The wrong team. The devil's team. But when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Christ not only adopts you into His family, but He places you on His team, and He has a specific time, a specific place, and a specific role for you to fulfill that He wants to accomplish something miraculous through you. That only He can do when you and I are walking in faithful, consistent obedience to the Word of God. Ephesians 2, the Bible says in verse number 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. God brought you into His body. That body is called the church. And God designed His body to function as a team. You'll find the same thing over in Ephesians. Jesus' prayer for you and I, just before He gave His life on the cross and sent it back to heaven, He prayed this prayer. He said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. As Thou hast sent Me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify Myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. What was His prayer? That they all may be one. As Thou, Father, art in Me and I in Thee, that they also may be one in Us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me as thou hast loved me. Did I say this? If this local church, if this local body of believers is going to grow in 2019, if this local church, this local body of believers is going to be better this year than we were last year, here's what it's going to take. By the way, not just the pastor to do something. Here's what it's going to take. It's going to take every body that God has placed in this local assembly to realize not only their importance, but to understand what part they're to play, and then to get off the sidelines and do something about it. I look forward tomorrow, uh, Josiah and I will get prepared and ready sometime about 6.30, 6.45, and We'll load up in the vehicle, and we'll head down over here to the Glade Spring Madness Church, and we'll head into the ball court. It's basketball season again, and Josiah, he loves it when I coach him, and first thing they said when I walked in the door, they said this, they said, you're coaching again this year, right? I said, well, I guess so. First thing we'll emphasize tomorrow, I'll sit down with the team, and I'll introduce myself and I'll get their names and I'm going to tell them three things. I'm going to give them instructions for how I'm going to use a whistle first. I'm going to tell them that I want to have a great season but the goal is not to win. The goal is for them to improve in their basketball skill. The third thing I'm going to tell them is this. We are a team above everything else. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my whistle. One blow means to move. It means to advance into whatever I'm asking you to do. And I'm going to tell them, I want you to give me one lap around the gym on the outside baseline. One lap all the way around. As a team, I'm going to blow my whistle. And almost immediately, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to blow it three times. Three times means get back to your seat and sit down. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I have told them to run as a team and they will not do it. One person will always try to outdo the others. And I will stop them, I will bring them back. And I will say again, I want you to give me one lap around the gym as a team. I'll blow the whistle. They'll go more than likely. I will have to do that three, four, or even five times before they understand what I am going for is the way they start for that seat when the first person takes off, the second person comes behind, the third person comes behind, the fourth person comes behind, and they stay in the same order all the way around the ball courts. Pritchard, why would you do that? Because they need to learn to work as a team. Listen to me. You're stronger when you work together. Was an old cartoon. I forget the name of the cartoon. I think it was Linus it had a boy character and a girl character, and he had the remote and he wanted to watch something on the TV, and she wanted the remote and she wanted to watch something else on the TV, and so she told him to give him the, give her the remote. And he said, "Well, why would I give you the remote?" She said, "Because when all five of these come together, I can do some damage." And the boy looked down at his hand and he said, why can't you guys get together like that? You know? Here's what I'm trying to say. The church is always stronger and better. When they're together, God has placed you on a team. There are no long rangers when it comes to serving God. God has brought you here to the Joy Baptist Church and He's given you a place on a team to serve together. And when we function as a body, we can accomplish so much. So much to be done when we give up our own strength, our own power, our own ability and we rely upon the knowledge and the wisdom of God to bring us through. Now listen to me. That will not happen if you're not here. He's saying this. He's talking about the ear. He's talking about the nose. And he's talking about the body. And he says, everybody wants to be that. This and that over there. And then he asks the question, where were the hearing? Where were the smelling? Where were the body? He's saying this, where are you? Jesus said this. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. What's he say? There am I. In the midst. Christ is speaking of his people. He is speaking of his church. And here's what Jesus says. If my people are meeting together. I'm going to be there. Now listen to me. If it's important enough for Jesus to be there. Don't you think we ought to be there? You see here's the thing. Every one of us have a role to play on the team. And the whole team suffers when one part of the team isn't there. Paul is writing to the church, and he's writing to a church that has been given over to carnality, And he's saying this, where are you in Christ? You've been placed on a team. Verse 2, verse number 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Not only has Christ placed you on a team, but secondly, in Christ you have been given a position on the team. A position. Whenever I played sports in school, I was always put in the spot. Whether it was baseball, second base, that was my spot. I was a second baseman. Oh, I got moved around quite a bit, helped fill other places, but second base, that was my spot. When I was playing basketball, they'd put me all over the place. I, usually I was going in underneath, trying to fight and scruffle for the ball, because I just kind of got in there, and if I hit the floor, I hit the floor. <clears throat> Steve, you've seen that a little bit, right? still that way. I don't know. That's just who I am. Okay? So What are you saying? I'm saying you've got a position. Every team that enters onto the field, that enters onto the court, wherever it is, every team knows that they are given a certain amount of time to accomplish what their purpose is in order to emerge victoriously from the battle. And during that moment of time, every individual wants to, to do their best but you got problems if everybody on that team wants to be somebody else if the lineman wants to be the quarterback you probably got a problem you say why cause he's a lineman for a reason and if you put the quarterback on the line what do you got you got a hole now you got a vulnerability the lineman has to say this, hey, I'm going to serve my place. I'm going to do it because that's what God's given me to do. You got a position. Could be a quarterback. Could be a running back. Could be a wide receiver. Could be an offensive lineman. A defensive lineman. It could be a, 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 a defense coordinator. Could be the offense coordinator. Could be the coach. Whatever position it is that you play on that team, hey, know it, learn it, and do it well. Same is true of church. Here's the reality. God has not placed a multiplicity of pastors here. He's placed a pastor. If God wants you to pastor that church, he'll place you either here or there or somewhere else, and he'll put you in the place of pastor. God's placed teachers in this church. Wonderful teachers. Some who are teachers that need to step up in in the capacity of teaching. Here's what I'm saying. Whatever position it is that God has given you, fill it. Because when you don't, you leave a void. If you're not careful, you'll sit back and say, "Well, well, I wish my church would grow. You may have one of the most beautiful singing voices in the church, and you'll sit down here every Sunday and say, Well, I wish that choir sounded better. You know what my statement is to you? How about you get in the choir and help it sound better? God has given you the talent and the ability to do something. Why are you not doing it? Are you where you need to be spiritually? Because when you are, there is a desire inside of you that wants to take what God has called you to do and put it into action. You have a position on the team. Fulfill it. God has looked at you and He has seen your potential and He has placed you with a group of people who can take and bring out not only the best in you, but can utilize whatever gift it is that God has given you and reach this world for Him. Ephesians 4 verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in, in Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the, and maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. God has placed you on a team. God has given you a position on the team. And thirdly, with that position comes a purpose. He says, where were the smelling? Where were the hearing? Where were the body? You know what a nose is meant to do? The smell. You ask my youngest daughter, she may say to pick. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's not what it's for. It's to smell. God gave you an ear. What's the ear for? For hearing. And they're important. And they need to be used in that capacity. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You get that nail out you try to use that nail, but you don't have the hammer. So what do you do? Grab the pair of pliers, right? <laughs> Start trying to bang that nail in and You end up hitting your finger, and then you're like, (laughs) "Dummy, what were you thinking?" You have a certain tool for a certain purpose for a certain reason. Use it as such. For some, it could be as simple as making sure there's a cup of water on the pulpit for the pastor. Say, preacher, is that really important? I think it is. I think it is. It could be as simple as just being an encourager. One of the greatest members of the first century church was a man by the name of Barnabas. You know what Barnabas was? He was an encourager. That's what he did. He'd come over to somebody like Nick and say, Had a boy, Nick. Keep up your work. Wonder. Keep going. Doing great. You may have fallen flat on your face and so bad I mean the, the skin of your cheek is still laying on the floor but they come along and you can do it. Get back up. Try again. <coughs> Maybe for the past year there's so many times that I'll come to the pulpit and I'll have studied and I'll have get up here and I, I, I try every, every time I get in the pulpit to just preach my heart out and give it and sometimes I I walk back to the back there and I I feel like I've I've thrown a dud. Thrown a dud. And I just, man, I I beat myself up over it. I I want to do my best and everything that I could possibly do. You know what? Some of the the most encouraging things is when somebody can come by and say, hey, preacher, that's all right. You'll get it next time. Now, don't come to me after the service this morning. (laughs) Say, preacher, that's okay. You'll get it next time, Okay. I want to know. I want to know what you mean by that. Here's what I'm saying. When you love the Lord, you're looking for ways to take the purpose that God has given you and use it for the glory of God. That's why God's placed you in the church. In Christ, you've been placed on a team. In Christ, you've been given a position on the team. In Christ. You've been given a purpose because of that position. Now listen to me. In Christ, you're expected to participate on the team. He says, Where were the hearing? Where were the smelling? Where were the body? Preacher, do I have to find my purpose in the church and serve? Yeah. Yeah. So, Preacher, what if I don't? then you're outside the will of God for your life. Nowhere in the scriptures does God ever promote self-centered religion. Nowhere. Here's what he has done. He's brought a group of people together. It may be in Colossae. It may be in Ephesus. It may be in Philippi. It may be in wherever you're at. Laodicea. It may be in Spring, Virginia. God's brought a group together. He said, here's the team. So, preacher, I look across the team, and there's some people that I don't like on the team. I don't care for that person. They're not as strong as the other players on the team. I, I don't think they ought to be on the team. Can I say this? It's not your call. 53 players on the football team, 46 dressed out. Who makes the decision? Is it the players? Coach. He so said, preacher, Who's the coach? Can I say this? It ain't me. Goes a little higher than me. It's God who makes that decision. So if you've got a problem with that, you need to take that up with God. Here's the thing: we have enough spectators, and we have enough commentators. What we need are game changers. That's what we need. Spectators are meant to be in the stands. Right? <clears throat> Where are the stands? Can I say this? This ain't the stands. You say, well, preacher, we're sitting here listening to you. Listen, I'm filling my role as a pastor. My role is to teach. My role is to preach. My role is to pray. My role is to equip you to the best of my possible ability to do the work of the ministry. You see, the stands aren't there. The stands aren't here. The stands are comprised of a group of people who have gone on before. Those who have fought the fight. Those who have kept the faith. Jesus Christ Himself looking down at where He placed you, at the position He put you in, the purpose He gave you, and now He expects you to participate. Let me say this, and I'll close with this. My goal in this first thought of this series of messages is not to get you to love the church. more. It's not my goal. My goal this morning is not to encourage you to, to be more faithful to services, to be here Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, though I think you should. My goal is not to encourage you this morning to do any of that. It's not. You see, here's what we do. We shift our focus off of the main thing preacher, if that's not your focus this morning, what's your focus? Here's my focus. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. I said, preacher, why is that your focus? Because I know this. When you fall in love with Jesus, guess what? You'll fulfill your part of team. You'll be in your place because you want to please the one who owns you, who bought you with his shed blood. If I can encourage you to do anything more in 2019, it's this. Just love Jesus more. Just love Jesus more. And whenever Jesus leads you to a place to do something, whatever it is, whatever position he gives you, whatever purpose he lays in your heart, you just love him enough that you're going to do whatever it is he asks you to do all year long. You so say, preacher, what do you think will happen? Sunday school will increase. Sunday morning will increase. Sunday evening will increase. Wednesday evening will increase. Offerings will increase. Choir participants will increase. Sunday school teachers will increase. He said, Preacher, do you really believe that? Here's what I believe. I believe that God has given us everything that we need to be the successful church that we need to be right here in this place. It's just a matter of people loving God enough to do their part. So I do believe that will happen. My question to you this morning is simple. Where are you? Where are you? I don't know if you're the nose. I don't know if you're the ear. I don't know if you're the eyes. I don't know if you're the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, defensive line, offensive line. You may be the you may be the, the kicker. I don't know. But I know this God has placed us as a team right here. And when we leave this place, we're stepping on to the gridiron of life. And God this year is saying to you, it's time to get serious. Suit up. Step on the field. Stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And carry forward. Right across the goal line. Right into the victory. Where?